remember that you're not an eating disorder, no matter how long it's been a part of your life. You're a child of God, you're chosen, you're accepted, you're loved. And you don't need to feel that for it to be true. Jesus is stronger than any enemy. He's stronger than any fear. And he's in control. Even though we're not, he can be trusted. Friends, welcome to the Hope and Help Project, the podcast that cultivates compassionate biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. I'm your host, Christine Chapel, and I'm so thankful you're here to join on today's conversation with author and writer Emma Scrivener. In today's episode, Emma and I talk about her personal journey through eating disorder recovery to gain insight about the physical and spiritual factors at play and how a relationship with Jesus Christ offers sufferers hope and help for change. If this is your first time listening to the show, be sure to learn more about the Hope and Help Project by visiting faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. The link is posted in the show description, and by visiting that page, you can learn all about the mission of the podcast. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guest. Emma was born in Belfast, but now lives with her husband and daughter in the southeast of England. She is the author of several books, including A New Name, Grace and Healing for Anorexia, and A New Day, Moving On from Hunger, Anxiety, Control, Shame, and Despair. Emma is a guest contributor at Desiring God and blogs at her website, emmascrivener.com. Emma, welcome to the show. Thank you, Christine. It's lovely to be here. So thanks for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for accepting the invitation to chat about such a challenging topic. I want to ask you real quick, because it is something that people may not be entirely familiar with, would you mind just taking a few minutes to walk us through what is an eating disorder? Sure. Well, I mean, that that's a great question, but unfortunately it doesn't have a very simple answer because there are as many different kinds of eating disorder with different diagnostic criteria. The ones that you might be most familiar with um, would be anorexia nervosa, which is when sufferers uh, restrict their food in order to lose weight. But there's also bulimia, Um, which is where sufferers will get rid of the food that they have eaten in some way, maybe by making themselves sick or by over-exercising. But what's interesting is the biggest category for eating disorders is something called NOS, not otherwise specified, which refers to just a whole gamut of of eating disorders, um, many of which are just sort of coming to public awareness now and are growing all the time and that don't fit particular diagnostic criteria. As a shorthand, I would think you'd be thinking along the lines of someone who uses food to cope with and control their lives. But of course, the difficulty here is that we live in a culture where people may not have eating disorders, but eating is, as a practice is very disordered with all sorts of connotations around food, you know, the clean food movement or people talking in terms of being good about uh, eating certain foods or being naughty about eating other mm-hmm. foods. So I suppose there's quite a spectrum, not only of eating disorders, which are actually diagnosed and a, a sort of clinical a clinical list, but just disordered eating on a, on a larger scale where most of us at one time or another, whether or not we have an eating disorder, will use food for some reason to do something for us other than just simple hunger. You know, I I guess you've had a bad day, you come in 
you might just sit down and have a, a couple of bits of cake because it makes you feel better. It's a nice sugar hit and all the rest. Or you might feel proud of yourself because you're trying to fit into a particular dress size. These are not eating disorders on their own or wouldn't necessarily qualify on their own, but they show that disordered eating itself is, is something that we can all identify with. Tell us a little bit about how eating disorders have personally affected your life. So eating disorders, well, anorexia, um, which is restricting food to try and lose weight, that has been a big feature of my life, both as a child and as an adult. I grew up in uh, Ireland in a very part of a very, very happy sort of settled and secure family. But then whenever I was about 13, I think a number of things happened that challenged my sense of self. My grandfather died. I moved schools. My body was changing, but not in the way, you know, I was meant to become becoming a woman, but not in the sense that I saw when it reflected in magazines or on TV or I didn't look anything like that. The bits of me that should have gone out went in and the bits of me that should have gone in went out. <laughs> so I just thought, you know, I felt really sort of confused and I felt very out of control. You know, I'd always been a, a child who liked things to be neat and tidy and within the lines. So even as a on my first day at nursery, I remember going to the sandpit and chasing out the other kids and then smoothing the lines around and keeping it guard. And that, in a sense, is a picture of, of my personality. I like, I like to know where I stand. I like things ordered. So whenever different factors in my life came together, both externally and internally, that made me feel messy, I responded by feeling very, very out of control. And it wasn't that I'd heard about eating disorders, and it certainly wasn't for me, although this isn't the case for a lot of people. For me, I didn't look in the mirror and see someone who was too big. I just felt like I was a, a real mess and I was leaking outside of the lines. I'd heard a little bit about God at that time, but not really about Jesus. I understood a lot about sin and law, but I hadn't really understood grace and I hadn't met Christ and, and really worked all of that out. So I took on board as well the law side of Christianity without seeing how Jesus fulfills all of that. So it all added up to this sense of I've got to take control back. I've got to make order again. I felt like I was like a big red wine spill on the carpet, a white carpet, and I wanted to clean myself up. And it seemed to me at that time that if I could somehow shrink my body, because let's face it, when you're 13, there's not an awful lot you can do to take that control. It, you know, every area of your life is prescribed. But the one area you do have some control over is your own body. And it felt to me that if I could make my body shrink my body on the external side, I could also take control of all of these feelings and all of these fears and all of these questions I had, you know, who is this God anyway? What does it mean to be a grown up? What does it mean to be a woman? Have I any purpose in life? What is what is my life about? You know, why am I here? All these kind of ex existential questions, which often underpin eating disorders. You know, it, I think it's a mistake to think this is just about vanity. It's just about wanting to be a particular size or wanting to look a certain way. Absolutely, that's a feature. But really what you're, what sufferers are trying to do is to address very big questions about uh, life and identity and everything else that's in between. So um, at that time, we got some help for me, but really eating disorders weren't very well understood. And the treatment for me focused just on regaining weight. Now, in a little bit, we'll talk a bit about why 
your physical health on, on this side, uh, regaining weight is, is very important. However, if it's the only area that's addressed, then what can happen is you, you're a bit like I was at age 18, which was patched up on the outside, a healthy weight again, but with none of those issues having been resolved and no clear understanding of who I was or ways of managing the, the sort of emotions that I felt. I threw myself into study, I threw myself into sort of church work, but again, not really understanding what it was about. And I got engaged to a really great guy who was training to be a minister, although at the time he told me he was going to be a rock star or a cricketer. <laughs> so he threw that in a bit later on. Um, and that really scared me because all of the vicar's wives that I know are amazing women they're not just great women they're like super women you know they're they can do everything and they're really hospitable and they can bake a million kinds of buns and they're kind and outgoing and extrovert and all the things that i'm not and so i panicked and all patterns started again i stopped eating um but this time i didn't have my mom and dad around to try and get me better and an adult with an eating disorder it's very difficult to halt that, that progress anyway i became very sick and got to the point really of, of death. And it was then that I I really cried out to the Lord in a new way um, and said, look, instead of me trying to prove myself to you and keep your laws, there's nothing left here of me, but if you want it, you can have what's left. And it was then that I, um, reading through scripture and particularly the book of Revelation, I met Jesus and saw who he was as this lion beautiful and terrible and irresistible and in control, but also a lamb broken for me, a lamb who took all of my sickness and all of my sin, all my mistakes on himself. And he says, look, you don't pay for it in your body by yourself. I have already paid for all these things on my body and it's already finished. And for the first time met a Lord, a person, not just a set of rules, who was more beautiful than anorexia, who offered me to be part, not just of a story that I could rewrite that was mine, but a part of his story and an identity that I couldn't see for myself, but that he promised me I would have if I if I followed him. And so that, that for me was the beginning of recovery. But I would say that certainly for me anyway, recovery is a process that takes many, many years. But from that point on, and then getting involved in church community and being open about my struggles and understanding that it's okay to be a believer and to be messy and messed up, that that's who Jesus comes for. That really began a process in me of towards health and healing and wholeness and just coming to the Lord every day rather than, than going to food in the first case to try and fix everything uh, or body. But as I say, very much a process. And I think that's typical for a lot of people who are in eating sort of recovery. It starts in your brain, in your patterns of thinking long before it affects your behavior. And in the same way, I think even when your weight is restored or, or may have been for many years, there are patterns of thoughts there and heart issues that, that can take a whole lifetime to unravel. What do you think, in your opinion, and from your experience, what's the heart behind these rules? You know, how are these rules ultimately dangerous or even deadly in eating disorder recovery? Mm. Well, I guess I, I agree. I think often control can be a, a really uh, key feature in, in eating disorders. I'd start by sort of widening that. I think control and wanting to be in control is really a heart issue that affects all of us. And I think since the Garden of Eden, we all seek control. We see that very much, even with Adam and Eve, you know, in, in Genesis saying, look, 
you've given us a way of living, but we want to take charge. We want to we want to control our own lives by ourselves. We want to be the the master of our fates, the captain of our own souls. And you know, in in many ways, I would say eating disorders are sickness. So I don't I don't I certainly don't want anyone to confuse it, me saying an eating disorder is a sin. This is not what I'm saying at all. But the very heart of our rebellion against God is wanting to be in control, and that is expressed in 101 different ways of which one could potentially be an eating disorder, but that every single human being on the planet struggles with. You know, everyone wants to be in charge of their own lives. And that is, that's how the Bible defines sin, isn't it? To say, look, I'll be Lord for myself and not you, not not your Lordship mine. So I think that's a massive issue for, for all of us. And the, the outworking then of the ways that we try to take control could be could be food, could be, you know, working too hard, could be something that's really positive, like throwing yourself into family, but then making your family into the ultimate thing, an idol for you. And it's interesting. In some ways, we think of eating disorders as being a very modern uh, a very modern uh, problem. But even in Colossians 2, Paul's talking about self-made religion with its rules and regulations and saying, look, don't do this. Don't try and, and set up things for yourself that you've got to jump through. Or even Eve back in the garden, you know, when the serpent says to her, what did God say? She she doesn't say what God actually told her, which was don't eat of the food. She says, God said, don't even touch it. Even then, from the very beginning, they're adding to it. Any system, any man-made religion where we're trying to pay for ourselves or make life work on our own terms, using whatever, we can never pay for ourselves and we can never, we can never meet our own rules. And in fact, the rules and the regulations just get worse and get stronger and um, the more we try, which leads us then into a circle of, you know, shame and then trying harder and then more shame and then trying harder. And yeah, there's just no end. To it. It's a, a treadmill that, that can never end well for any of us, I think. And that leads to death. You know, the again, the Bible talks about there's a way of, of living that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. Whereas the gospel is about giving up our life for Jesus and, and for him, and then finding life through him, which is the very opposite. Above and beyond the spiritual struggles, can you share with us, there are some unique physical components of eating disorder recovery. Can you talk a little bit about the damage that is done? How does that affect you know, the person's ability to pursue recovery? Mm. Um, absolutely. I think that one of the first things is to see that eating disorders are really addictive patterns of behavior. You know, the, so I think, of, for example, of something like, I don't know, bulimia, where you're eating often very, very, very large quantities of food and then trying to, to get rid of it. Now, psychologically, when, when you're often will use food in a number of ways, we could use it to try and, you know, it could be as a, a form of distraction. It could be to try and to comfort myself, to make me feel better whenever, um, you know, I've, I've had a bad day or a bad time. It could be as a way of trying to put a boundary between me and the rest of the world so that, you know, my, my body is an actual physical a physical boundary and um, for whatever reasons it's doing something for us psychologically um, but then again with with bulimia let's say you filled yourself with all of this food then the cycle is that, that short-term feeling of relief that comes with eating is replaced by a feeling of fear of often self-disgust or contempt and you feel you know I've got to get rid of this food I've, I've got to somehow you know, to deal with this. And so as the person gets rid of the food or purges in some sort of way, 
they are then they experience that as a kind of cleansing so the food can go in as a, as a comfort you know as a sort of a balm and then the the feelings the, the self-disgust takes over and then you've got this kind of right i'll make myself clean i'll purge i'll get rid of it again but then you know physiologically you've got a body where you, your blood sugars are going up and down so your you know your body is is going well hang on i'm being fed one minute and then i'm all of this food is leaving again and I'm being starved. I'm really hungry, which sets you up for another binging episode or an anorexia, you know, where, where often the, the sufferers will be eating very, very little food and lose a, a large quantity of weight. There's something that's called the whirlpool effect, which is when your body mass goes be below a certain uh, level, your brain stops working as well because your brain is an organ that needs energy just the same as the rest of you and so you your thinking breaks down too you're not able to think and to process in the same way as you could if your body was at a at a healthy weight so it feels like when you've lost a lot of weight like you can think very very clearly like everything makes a lot of sense but actually you there are all sorts of features that come alongside starvation, like paranoia, like uh, thinking in, in terms of black and whites and extremes, like very rigid perfectionist behavior, which accelerate then, you know, the, the need to lose weight, which means that you, you go further and further down that cycle. And which means that in recovery, it's tempting to think, well, look, let's just get counseling straight away and then I'll be able to work out. Uh, regaining weight but sometimes in recovery if your weight is very low the very first thing that has to happen is that you regain it so that you can then process intellectually on a healthy level the the counseling that you're being given otherwise it's pointless so there, there are things like this that certainly make a big difference uh, to recovery that you need to be aware of and again just the fact that it's a mental health issue, the fact that this is something that feels often like it's, it's you feel like you're in control, but the very opposite is, is the case. The, the eating disorder is controlling you, but you feel you can take it back at any point. You feel you can get better at any point. You feel you can change. But in fact, you're in the grip of something that is a lot more insidious than you realize and a lot more damaging. You know, if there's someone listening today to this episode who is working themselves through a eating disorder recovery, would you take a few moments and share some practical steps? So what are some practical steps someone can take for addressing, let's, let's look at the spiritual components. And I know these are very cumbersome issues. So, you know, the practical steps can't be all inclusive, but what are some practical steps for addressing the spiritual components that they can take? And then what are some practical steps for addressing the, the physical part of the recovery process? Um, I guess there's a there's a number of different things. I think spiritually, the first thing is just to admit that you need help and you cannot fix this yourself. You know, often for, for eating disorders, it's a, it is a system of rules and regulations. It's all about trying to fix yourself and it's all about self-will and being in charge. So the, it's tempting to think that recovery will be like that as well, that it is, you know, I can just sort of work up my own power to do this and I can I can make myself better but that's what gets you into trouble in the first place you know and that's what man-made religion is all about so I think admitting look I have really got a problem here and it's bigger than I am um, and it's it's not just bigger in terms of you know my, my weight is low and I can't eat and readdress sort of that physical level but also the way that I think my heart and everything about me is just what I think is right is wrong. 
and I need you know I need I need help to get out of that so saying look Lord I don't know what to do but my eyes are on you would you help me through this and just come before the Lord and acknowledging your dependence and your need and I think as well getting into church community because Jesus talks about not only his own body which takes on the punishment um, that we often try and you know take in our own bodies or and the healing but also that when we're united to him we're united to his church his people and in the church community there's a whole range of people who are able to help us and to support us and they may not even have specific eating disorder knowledge but just having people who can walk alongside you pray for you love you and say look i don't understand very much about what you're going through but i want to help you and i want to try and understand that's a big thing so in spiritual terms i think admitting that you really need help and asking for help from other people um and from the lord and then just spending time in his word as much as you can and going back to the real basics you know why does jesus come who is this lord who looks with such compassion at us and sees us for who we are and promises us a life that is bigger than what we can make for ourselves this god who's a lion who can take charge so that we don't need to be afraid that we're not in control because he is but also this lamb who is broken who understands what it is to be weak and afraid and who was made nothing uh, for us but who loves us and then is is crowned lord of the universe as well and to look into that and i suppose to find we find ourselves really as we find him in, in practical terms i think it's very difficult almost impossible i would say as an adult anyway to get to deal with eating disorder without help of some sort from other people i would say if you're really struggling get along to your doctor and you know find out what resources are there and share the fact that you're struggling with others, even if it's just one or two people, people that you trust, and to say, look, I, I really need support in this, because so often they are bigger than you are, you know, and so often you start with good intentions, but then it's you need other people to help you say no and to support you and to strengthen you in that. So get into community and get as much support as you can. Take it step by step as well. If you look too far ahead, you'll, you'll be overwhelmed but you pray for daily bread. And so you just go meal by meal and you do it a day at a time. Break your big goals into smaller ones. You know, if, for example, if you're binging a lot, limit that to one place in time or gradually start widening your diet if you only eat certain foods. Try to stick to a schedule and don't trust your feelings. You know, it's hard to fight an addiction. Sometimes you're going to feel terrible, but focus on what you're achieving rather than what you're going to lose. How does your eating sort of you know impact your life what does it stop you from doing what would life be like without it and remember that you're not needing disorder no matter how long it's been a part of your life you're a child of god you're chosen you're accepted you're loved and you don't need to feel that for it to be true and jesus is stronger than any enemy he's stronger than any fear and he's in control even though we're not he can be trusted and and also that the longer you have an eating disorder the more it captures your heart so the best time to make a change to try and stop is today. There's no better time for recovery than now. Those are really wonderful, practical tips. And if you're listening today and, and you said, wait a minute, there were so many good things there and I couldn't write it down. Emma has a fantastic booklet that I will link to in the show notes. And the booklet contains, I think, almost 
all of what she just recommended uh, here on the podcast. And so go check it out. It's very clear, concise, biblical wisdom for eating disorder recovery. And I'm, I'm happy to share that resource with you guys. So check out the show notes. You can find the link. And that way you're not stressed out about listening back to trying to jot down all those good nuggets from her. So we've got time for a couple uh, more questions. So let me go ahead and ask you this. How does the gospel of Jesus Christ offer real hope to someone who is struggling with an eating disorder? For me, I think looking at the looking at the person of Jesus is so important. You know, an eating disorder, it, it's almost like you're in a relationship with, with someone, anorexia or, or bulimia or whatever it is. And they feel, it feels like it's your very best friend. It feels like it's the thing that will give you life, that will give you identity. But actually it's a set of rules that only, that, that, promises your life but leads to your death that takes everything away from you bit by bit at a time the gospel is the very very opposite of this you know the gospel is the way of life that it looks a bit it looks a bit like death and it is death it is dying to yourself but that's it's in jesus that we start to find our lives we find uh, what we're really made for you know with eating disorders i suppose we beat ourselves up for falling short of our own standards our own desires and they point us back to self-will jesus offers us free salvation and again he does this in his, his own body and his his body shows us the grace that is an offer for us it's not that we can fix things ourselves and it's not that we're in control and we never were and we never will be, but that is okay because there is a God who is in control and who knows you and you don't need to change your body. He's made that body wonderfully and that body is going to be redeemed someday as well. So it's something that's been given to us and that is precious and you don't need to know who you are. You know, an eating disorder in many ways can be about finding or creating a new identity for yourself. You've already been given that identity in Christ and he will show you who you are step by step and bring you into a story that is so much more beautiful and bigger than the one that just revolves around me or around you. You know, a cosmic story, a story of and a cosmic eating disorder in the, you know, in the Garden of Eden, people who, who want to be in control of their own lives and they make so many mistakes and we make so many mistakes and we think we'll try and fix it just like Adam and Eve did and we can't and we get stuck and it seems that there, everything is hopeless, there is no way out and into that comes the gospel, into that comes Jesus, not the God who says climb up to me but the God who comes down to us in our mess and says, I see where you're at, I see where you're struggling, I see your pain and my heart breaks for you and I will carry that and I will carry your sickness and I will carry the mistakes that you've made, I will carry your sin, I'll carry it all, just come to me and I will give you that rest. And that is that is wonderful, that's liberating. And instead of a, a system that you follow, you meet a person who is more beautiful than any eating disorder and who will show you a life that you could never have dreamed of. And that is, that's real hope. That's real life. And he will lead you step by step out of, out of slaveries, but not just to eating disorders, but to a much bigger slavery, the slavery to self, the heart issues that the world, I think, can often offer us. And it's great to be able to get out of an eating disorder. They can offer us a, a healthier weight. And that's fantastic. I, I don't underplay that at all. What the gospel offers is a changed heart as well as a changed behaviour and answers to the big questions that, you know, those questions I talked about when I was 13 that I, had, I, I thought no one else could answer. 
Jesus answers those as well. And so he's not just helping you to recover from a, a limited kind of uh, sickness or an illness in your body, but he's he's offering you life to the full and an identity that you is more than you could have hoped for or dreamed. And he will do that in you. And he works in our weakness. Those are really beautiful words, Emma. Thank you. And I want to have us close today by doing something that I have done on every episode. I think it's, or at least I hope it's a help and a comfort and encouragement to those who are listening, who are struggling. So I want to ask you to close us out by offering some words of comfort. There may be someone listening to this episode who currently suffers in the ways that we have been talking about. Maybe they believe that faith in Christ really isn't applicable to their recovery process or that they are doomed to live in hopelessness because, you know, their struggle with an ED hasn't made much progress in the right direction. You know, what would you say to that person to give them the courage to just take the next step forward? I would say that you're not on your own. You may feel like you are. You may feel like you've gone too far or you've done things that can't be changed or you try too often to get better or you're stuck or things have been done to you that are just so terrible and you can't bring them out into the light. Whatever you're facing, there are others who have felt this as well. But not only people, but a Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has taken on, on the suffering that you're feeling understands to the nth degree on the cross. He understands completely. You know, I can say to you, well, I've had an eating disorder too, and there will be things that we'll have had in common, and, and that can be really helpful. But I don't see your heart. I don't see everything about you. I don't see your, your own experience, everything that you feel Jesus alone does. He sees that right now. And if you will reach out to other people, reach out to him, he promises you that those who lose their lives for him, and I know that recovery feels like it's losing your life. It feels like it just even reaching out feels like losing your life. He promises you will find your life. You will find me. So wherever you're at, here is a God, a Lord who comes to those who are in darkness, a Lord who comes to ransom those who are in chains and feel there is no way out. That is where our God works. He works with those who are at the end of their themselves. So if you say it's hopeless, he says there is always hope. And if no one else can reach you and no one else can do this, he can. And I say that because he has broken into my life and in the lives of others in many, many areas that just seem impossible. And yes, it will be a, a process. And yes, there will be steps forward and steps back. And yes, you know, we're not perfect yet. But don't settle for don't settle for this small life. Don't settle for this slavery. And don't listen to the voice of the eating disorder. Listen to the Lord who has already done everything for you, who dies to make you his own and who loves you no matter what you do, no matter what your size, no matter what your mistakes or your good deeds or anything. He just loves you, loves you, loves you to the bottom. And he will lead you out if you trust in him. And if you lean on his people and you ask for that help as well. Well, amen. That is just so encouraging. Um, I think really in anyone facing a dark struggle, not just the eating disorder, but, you know, these gospel truths we have to be constantly hearing, 
we got to hear them preached. We got to read them. We have to, whatever method we can digest them. It is what gives us hope and courage to face the next steps. So while we have had a wonderful time together, I've learned so much. I hope that this episode has been a blessing to you. Uh, Emma, where can the audience find you? Where, what's the best way that they can go about staying connected with you and your writing ministry? The best place to go would be my blog which is um, emmascrivener.net and I guess you can look that up at the links at the end for the spelling but that's that will give you yeah links to everything and there's a contact page there as well so if you want to get in contact that would probably be the best place but thank you so much for for listening as well and thank you Christine for having me um, on the show it's a wonderful resource and it's just a privilege to be a part of it Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash project. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode. If you enjoyed today's conversation, why not subscribe to the podcast? That way you'll be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help Project a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. One more thing, if you're looking for gospel hope and help for life's challenging problems, visit faithfulsparrow.com forward slash email. I send my email subscribers weekly biblical counseling resources on rotating topics. From videos, audios, articles, and recommended reading, these emails are designed to equip you to discover gospel hope and help in your own life. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help Project.